going to be in the book of Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter number 21, Matthew chapter number 21, continuing uh, to look at the parables of the Lord Jesus. And boy, I'm telling you what, this is something that we could look at endlessly, and we'll continue looking until the Lord directs us otherwise. But boy, I'm telling you what, there is much uh, that we can learn from the parables uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the things that he taught while he was here on earth. These are the principles uh, that he instructed his apostles. Uh, these are the, the doctrines that he gave to them that's been recorded uh, for you and I. As we continue this study uh, of the parables, this morning we're going to turn our attention to a parable uh, that was given to religious leaders uh, in response to a conversation that they were having uh, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now whenever we study the parables, as we've noticed, uh, oftentimes the parables are given uh, uh, by Christ uh, to the apostles uh, or to those who are following him uh, as a means of explaining. Uh, uh, he would say, I'm going to tell you this in a parable, and then later he would explain what the parable meant, and it was a means of teaching uh, and training the apostles. But when we look at this parable, we know that it is a little bit different uh, in that this parable was not given to the disciples directly as means of instruction, but this parable uh, was given to the religious leaders uh, as a means of uh, of rebuke because of what they were saying and what they were doing. So we're going to read here in Matthew 21. We're going to read verse 28 down through verse number 32, and then we'll get into the message this morning. Jesus says in Matthew 21 and verse number 28, But what think ye? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not, but afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They say unto him, The first. Jesus saith unto them, Verily I say unto you, that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and you believed him not. But the publicans and harlots believed him. And ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterward that ye might believe him. Let's pray. Father, Lord, it's good to be in your house. Lord, I thank you for the children of God, the family of God that, Lord, gathers together in your house faithfully Sunday after Sunday. Father, I thank you for them. Oh Lord, I know that in each of our lives, in each family, in each individual, oh Lord, there are things that oh, maybe we do not share. There are things that maybe oh, we don't communicate. Maybe there are things that only certain others know. But Father, Lord, I know that in the heart of each and every person, oh Lord, there are needs, there are burdens, there are discouragements, there are, there are things that they are facing. And Lord, we come to your house. Oh Lord, we come looking for that encouragement. We come looking to be lifted up. We come looking, Father, oh Lord, to you for you to speak through us. So Father, I pray, oh Lord, now as we enter the time of the message, that Father, oh Lord, we will open our hearts. And Father, we will be receptive. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me. Lord, I am nothing. I am nobody. Uh, Lord, I am incapable of doing anything, Lord, that would amount uh, uh, to any usefulness. But Father, I pray that you will speak through me. I pray, dear Lord, that you will anoint your word. Uh, I pray, dear Lord, that you will translate your word uh, into the hearts of each individual. And Lord, that it will minister to their heart. Father, I pray 
Oh, Lord, I pray that through this message this morning, the Lord will be challenged, will be encouraged. Uh, uh, Lord, and I pray if there be any here that is lost this morning, that's never put their trust in you as Lord and Savior, that, Father, Lord, you will convict them of their sin. Uh, you will show them of their need to repent uh, and believe the gospel, I pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, for how you've met with us already this morning. Bless in the remainder of the service, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. In order to fully understand this parable that we've written, uh, read, we need first to understand the context in which it was given. What was going on when Jesus gave this parable? What led to him giving this parable? And just a little side note here, and I know I mention it from time to time. If you want to correctly understand the Word of God, always study the Word of God in context. Always understand what is going on on before the passage you are looking at and what is taking place after the passage you are looking at. Sometimes it is necessary, uh, uh, if you are looking at a verse of Scripture, sometimes it is necessary uh, to read several verses before that verse and several verses after to understand uh, the context. Sometimes it is necessary to read the entire chapter. Sometimes it may be necessary to read the entire book uh, in order to get the context uh, of the verse that you're looking at. Much of the false teaching that is going on in our day results from people taking one verse and utilizing it without understanding its context. And so if we're going to understand this parable and what it is that Jesus is teaching, we need to understand the context in which this passage is given. In Matthew chapter number 21, if you look at the entire chapter, you will find that this chapter is the chapter that records the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. This is the occasion that we celebrate as Palm Sunday. This this is when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. They waved the palm branches in the air. They said, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King of Highs. And Jesus rode in. It is just before his time to go to Calvary. And he makes the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Now shortly after that triumphal entry, Jesus makes a whip. And he goes into the temple and he purges the temple for the second time. Now many people do not realize that Jesus did that twice. Twice. But if you'll look into the scriptures, you'll find out that he purged the temple once early in his ministry and he purged it again at the end of his ministry. And Jesus goes into the temple and he kicks out all those that are selling sheep and doves. He turns over the table to the money changers and he corrects them for misusing the house of God, for turning the house of God into a place of gaining profit and mistreating those that are poor and those that are unable to do what needs to be done and Jesus cleans house. Well, these things upset the Pharisees. This upsets the religious leaders. You see, they've never liked Jesus from the beginning. And for approximately three years, he's been stirring up trouble for them. That's the way they see it. And now he's just went too far. He's done come riding in town. People are praising him as a king, as a, as, a, as, as a significant someone. Then he goes into the temple and as if he has authority and the right to do so, he, he, he turns over the way things are happening in the temple. You know what I sometimes wonder? If Jesus were to visit some of the churches that are in existence today, if he would not come in and completely overturn the way things are being done. 
He went into the temple and he overturned everything and, and he cleaned house and these religious leaders, uh, they were very upset with Jesus. They say, you've gone too far, you've done too much and it is time that we do something about this. It is time that we stop this madness. And so in Matthew chapter number 21 and in verse number 23, they come to Jesus. And here we see the question that the Pharisees have for Jesus. Here in verse number 23, it says, when he was come into the temple, now this is after the cleansing, he's come back and he's been teaching, and when he was come into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority dost thou these things? And who gave thee this authority? They come to the temple and they say, Jesus, uh, we got to know, by what authority do you do these things? Who gave you the authority uh, to come disrupt uh, the way uh, that we were doing religion? Uh, who gave you the authority uh, to change uh, what we set up? Uh, who gave you this authority? Who told you uh, that you could do this? The religious leaders demand of Jesus uh, where he gets this authority. They are angry. Uh, they are ready to make an arrest. Uh, they are furious that somebody would dare overthrow their rituals and the way that they worshipped. But you see, the problem is they're asking a question that has already been answered. And we're going to come look at that in just a moment, but I just want to run a little side trail right here and say that oftentimes the reason your hard questions aren't getting answered is because you're refusing to accept the answer that God has already given you. The reason that you go to God and you say, God, I don't understand why. I don't understand why I'm facing this. I don't understand why I'm going through this. And the Word of God has already clearly told us that if you choose that lifestyle, this is going to be the consequence. If you live that way, this will be what you suffer. If you reject God, these things are going to come into your life. And many times we think we're not getting an answer because we refuse to accept the answer that that God has already given us. You see, the Pharisees come to Jesus and they demanded an answer. Who gave you the authority? But you see, this question's already been answered many, many times. Jesus didn't make any secret about the fact. Matter of fact, the Pharisees have become angry with him multiple times throughout his ministry because he said that he was the Son of God. The Pharisees have got very upset with him many times because he claimed to be the Messiah, the Savior, the one that had come to deliver them from the power of sin. And they know that this is who he claims to be. He has told them before, I do the works that I do because it's what my Father wants me to do. My Father enables me to do it. And they become angry at him because he claimed to be the Son of God, making himself equal with God. And so the question has already been answered on what authority he does these things. But they didn't want to accept that answer. And so they asked Jesus, who gave you this authority? Knowing that he would once again say that he was given the authority by God and therefore they would reject that answer and they would arrest him. This was their plan. This is what they decided they would do.
And they come to Jesus demanding an answer. Jesus answers their question with another question. Boy, you know what? Sometimes that is the most effective way to argue. When somebody asks a question, ask them a question that makes them rethink their question. Jesus was very good at doing this. He answered their question with a question. In verse number 24, Jesus had answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I and likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. Here's the question, verse number 25. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or of men? In other words, the ministry of John, the preaching of John, the, the, the baptism that, of repentance that John preached. Uh, what, where did that come from? Did John dream that up on his own or was that of God? Did that come of heaven or did that come from men? And they, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, reasoned within themselves saying, If we shall say from heaven... He will say unto us, Why did ye not then believe him? But if we shall say of men, we fear the people. For all hold John as a prophet. You see, they asked a question that had already been answered. And one of the ways that this question had been answered is that John the Baptist had proclaimed that Jesus was the Lamb of God who had come to take away the sin of the world. John the Baptist had baptized the Lord Jesus Christ. John the Baptist was there when the Spirit of God descended in the form of a dove and lit upon him and the Father spake from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. John the Baptist was the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ and his entire ministry consisted of saying that this man is the Son of God. This man is the Savior of the world. This man is the one we've been waiting for. And John had preached it and John had proclaimed it and these Pharisees knew John. They had heard John. They had heard what he had preached. The question they asked Jesus had already been answered by John. And so they asked Jesus, by what authority do you do this? And Jesus said, let me ask you something. The ministry of John, was that of God or of men? Now the Pharisees want to reject John. They do not want to agree with John because that would undermine everything they're trying to do right now with Jesus. And so the Pharisees do not want to give an answer that would say they agree with John. But there's a problem. All the people regarded John as being from God. And so if the Pharisees say that John was not of God, then they lose their ability to persuade the people because the people no longer have any confidence in them if they cannot recognize that John the Baptist was of God. So this has created them a real problem. Now I just want to point out right here that this clearly reveals... That the, that the drive behind the religion of the Pharisees was purely political. 
It had nothing whatsoever to do with the souls of men. It was 100% purely a political thing. They were using religion as a means to get what they wanted. They were using religion as a means to get recognition. They were using religion as a means to get influence. They were using religion as a means to get a following, to get recognition, to have power. But they had no interest whatsoever in the souls of men. Let me just say to you today that there are many, many professing Christians, professing religious people who have absolutely no interest in the souls of men, but they are using religion as a way to get themselves a platform, to get themselves recognized, to get themselves a following, to give themselves power so that they can be noticed, but they have no interest in the souls of men. How do we know this is true? Because they have enormous churches, they have hordes of people following them, and they never once... Preach the truth of the gospel of salvation. Now, I'm not at all against having a large church. I think we ought to do our best to win everyone. I think that the number we ought to be concerned about is the number of people outside of our doors that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And if that number goes down, our number will come up. And so I don't have any problem with seeing a well-attended church, but I do have a problem with a church that does not preach repentance and belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Pharisees were very, very religious people. But they did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we find them in a predicament here. We find them in a place where they are unable to answer. Jesus knew that he was putting them in a dilemma. He knew that they were going to have trouble answering this question. And so he puts the question to them, and we see there that they said, they answered Jesus and said, we cannot tell. We can't tell you if he's of God or if this is something he dreamed up on his own. We, we can't answer you. And Jesus said, neither do I answer you. In other words, there's no reason for me to answer you. If you don't believe John, you're not going to believe me. There's no reason for me to answer you. And as God, he don't owe them an answer. He has the authority to do what he said he was going to do. Because of this, they declined to answer. Jesus tells them if he can't answer them, he's not going to answer them. But then he begins to tell them a parable. We see the revelation of the parable. Jesus then shares a parable that reveals the folly of of their response. He shares a parable that shows them just how foolish they are to reject, refuse to answer his question that contains the answer to their question. He said, let me share a parable with you that reveals just how foolish you are. There are several things that we see in this parable and I can already tell we're not going to get all of these things covered this morning, but we're going to get as much as we can. There are several things that he shows them in this parable. The first thing that he shows them is the characters. The characters in the parable. He says in verse number 28, but what think ye? So he's posing a question to them and he's going to give them another question. This question will help reveal the answer uh, that they need. He says, but what think ye? A certain man 
had two sons. Jesus loved to use this illustration. We've seen this in several parables where he would use a father and sons as an illustration to portray a message. And here we see him using this again. Uh, we see first uh, the father. Now the representation of this parable is very clearly seen. It's easy to see what Jesus is teaching here. The Father represents God. This is clearly seen. It's no mystery. It's easy to see the representation that he's making. God, the one who calls all men to worship him. Now let me just throw this out here for you to chew on. There are those who say that God only draws or calls some to salvation. And they will use verses that say no man can come to him except the Spirit draw him. And so they will say that God only selects certain people to be called or drawn to salvation. But they fail to mention the verse in John chapter 3 where Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So yes, it is true. You cannot come unless you've been drawn by the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is also true that when he was lifted on the cross at Calvary and he shed his blood and died for the sins of mankind, he sent out a call that calls all men everywhere to come to repentance. We see here that the Father calls all men to worship Him. The Father calls all of creation to worship Him. He calls all of mankind to serve Him. And here in this parable, the Father represents God calling all men to worship Him. In addition to the Father, we see that this parable refers to two sons. A certain man had two sons. Now the reason we have two sons is because we're going to have two contrasting views. We're going to have something to make an up comparison with. We're going to have two different actions, two different responses. Jesus oftentimes we remember in the prodigal son and the elder son. We remember the publican and his prayer and the prayer of the Pharisee. Jesus will use two individuals because he's going to give two contrasting views. We see here the two sons. We see the son who professed to obey his father but did not actually do it. He said, I go sir but went not. This this represents the chief priest and the elders. This represents the people that he's talking to. They have a form of religion, but they deny the power thereof. They have a form. It looks like they're religious. They proclaim themselves to be religious, but they have no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. They talk the talk. They wear the clothes. They put on the actions, but there's nothing in the heart whatsoever. I was talking with someone and we were talking about an individual that had passed away. And they said, I don't know, I don't know that he was ready for eternity. They said he did go to church some, but that doesn't mean anything. And you know what? We need to get that implanted into our hearts that just because you go to church does not mean anything. The only thing that will get you into heaven, and we'll see this in this passage in just a little bit, the only thing that will get you into heaven is a heart relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This son, this first son said, I go, sir, but went not. He represented those 
that walk the walk and talk the walk, but there's no relationship, no fellowship. This is the son who, re, who had a reputation of being God's servant. But they continually rejected the Messiah. They said, you want to know how to look for the Messiah. You want to know what the Old Testament says about the Messiah. You want to know what the Bible teaches. You want to know about the law of Moses. You ask us. We are the authority. And the Messiah was looking them in the face and they did not know who he was. I believe there's a lot of professing Christians who wouldn't know Jesus if he was looking them in the face. We see first those who profess to obey, but then we also see the son who first rejected the father's command. He said, I will not. But later, he repented and went. We see here that he did reject, but he later repented. We see that this represents the non-religious the ungodly, the openly sinful. Jesus describes them in this passage as the tax collectors and the harlots. Why did Jesus choose those two groups? Because those are the ones that the religious people despised the most. He said these two groups, they're believing and you are not. We see here he said, I will not. Later he repented and we went. As we consider this parable we find that the message is twofold. There's two things that Jesus is teaching us here in this parable. One is the response to the call to salvation. And the second is the call to service. You know, I find it interesting in this parable that the sincerity of their response to the call of salvation is measured by their willingness to respond to the call to service. Just ponder on that for a minute. The sincerity of their response to the call of salvation is measured by their sincerity in responding to the call to service. Now, I am not at all teaching that salvation is of works. Salvation is absolutely not of works. Salvation is by grace, through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not of works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. But James says that faith without works is dead. In other words, you were saved by faith. But once that saving work has taken place in your life, there will be a change in you and that change will result in a person who wants to serve the Lord. Now when I say that this results in a person who wants to serve the Lord, that just doesn't just mean a person who comes to church on Sunday morning. That doesn't just mean a person who is faithful uh, to come to church. No, to serve means that I am working for the cause of Christ. And what is the cause of Christ? The Bible says that He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is the reason that He came for this cause? Jesus Christ came, He suffered, He bled, and He died that man might have salvation.
salvation. And so what is the work that God has called us to do? The work that He has called us to do is to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world and proclaim the truth of the gospel. That is the work that He's called us to do. And there are many, many people, matter of fact, the majority of professing Christians who have never answered the call to take the gospel. I'm not saying that everybody has to be a pastor, a preacher, evangelist, missionary. No, but every person, every believer ought to be someone who is daily, regularly sharing the hope of the gospel. I believe there are people that God has called to work in factories? Absolutely. Do I believe there are people that God has called to be successful businessmen? Absolutely. Do I believe that there are people that God has called to serve in the military? Absolutely. Why do I believe that? Because God is putting His people in every faucet of this world so that they can be a light and they can be a witness and they can proclaim the truth of the gospel wherever God has placed you, wherever God has you at, He has you there so you will cross the path of individuals who need to know the truth of the gospel and he judged the sincerity of these men's profession by how willing they were to serve. By how willing they were to serve. I really thought I'd get a lot farther than this. But I think this is the message that God had for us this morning. Matter of fact, I've prayed much over this parable. Even as I was sitting up here, as Lindsay was singing, and I'm like, Lord, it's a good message. There's a lot of material, but I just don't know. I, I don't know, Lord, what the invitation is. I, I don't know. Is, is this to Christians or lost? Lord, you're going to have to preach this message through me, letting you all see a little bit of inside what goes on in your pastor. I don't, Lord, I, I don't know where the conclusion is. And the conclusion came a lot sooner than I thought, but I believe the message this morning is you've been called to salvation, but you've been called to serve. Are we answering the call to serve? Let's all stand to our feet. First off, I want to say this morning, if you're here and you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, He is calling, calling today, whosoever will, come and take of the water of life. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in. I will take up my abode with you. I will make you a new creature. I will change your right now, and I will change your forever if you'll accept me as Savior. If there's someone here that's never accepted the Lord as their Savior, I beg you this morning, come to this altar. Let us take the Word of God and show you how you know 100% for sure that your heart is right with God and you're on your way to heaven. But I believe the thrust of the message this morning is I believe there are many who are not answering the call to serve. And Lord willing, we're going to look at that call in depth this evening. What that call is to serve and why there's a call to serve. But as Miss Debbie plays on the piano, if the Lord spoke to your heart this morning about doing your part to take the gospel to a lost and dying world, as she plays, you come and just tell the Lord, Lord, enable me to take the gospel and tell someone about you.